0: Warning, the following podcast contains spoilers for all things Watchmen, the comic, the movie, and the TV show. It also contains spoilers for The Walking Dead television show, the movie The Lookout starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and overuses the phrase waggling pee-pees. Welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. My name is Miles Trout, your host. This is the show where we watch movies, listen to music, or play games in an effort to decide if we're going to keep the disc or if we're going to dump them. Today, I am remotely joined by an old friend who's across the country, my friend Iyashi, How you doing, Yashi? Hey,
1: I'm great, brother. How are you?
0: I'm all right. We're going to have to get into how far away you are and all that stuff here in a minute. But today we're getting together to talk about The Watchmen, particularly the movie and the TV show, but I'm sure we'll get into all the other stuff. But first, a brief history. The Watchmen is a comic book series that came out between 1986 and 1987 published by DC Comics. Alan Moore is the writer of these comics. The art was done by Dave Gibbons, and the color was done by John Higgins. This team of creators produced one of the most iconic and beloved comic books of all time. The comic was adapted into a movie by Zack Snyder in 2009. Then, HBO created a television series in 2019 based on the characters of Alan Moore's comic. Let's get into it. (laughs) <laughs> Alright. Um, so do you want to talk about the movie first or what are you thinking? I guess
1: kind of start at the comic, um, or as much as we could really get through. So I I don't know what your history with like comics and stuff is. Um but I was never like a big superhero fan. Like I never really was into Superman and Spider-Man. I mean, like, yeah, sure, the, the the animated shows and the movies and stuff, but as far as, like, comic books, they were always very, like, one-dimensional. So this was the first one that I ever read, and I read it when I was 18, 19. Um, like, just, I think I was after my first year of college, and a friend of mine was like, hey, man, you should read this, and handed me this fat comic book uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: over summer. So for me, like, this was the comic book that got me into comic books and, like, realizing oh there's more here than just like superheroes and villains there's like plot that comic books can really have and for me that Watchmen was eye-opening experience
0: yeah I I always wanted to read it because I heard it was like really psychological but I never really got my hands on it and it's it's a lot of book it's a lot of book (laughs) so like getting through the 300 pages or whatever it is can be challenging so I never really got around to it. Um,
1: but I think that there's like some really, I uh, kind of iconic moments in the comic, and um, I was just kind of looking back through those uh, the other day, like just searching for stuff online, and I completely forgot about this one quote from uh, from. I guess do we have to say spoiler alert? Like,
0: oh, it's it's uh, like in the beginning now. Assumed, yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: um, so uh, Veidt has this like his big reveal at the end of Watchmen is like this iconic moment, right? Like Rorschach and Night Owl show up and are ready to take down the plot. And he shows up and is like, what do you think? I was going to stand here and like tell you my plan.
2: Mm. Like I
1: did that shit 35 minutes ago. You're way too late. And for me, that was like such a mind blowing thing for a comic book character to do. How do you, do you remember like stumbling across that that scene?
0: Actually, like, 11 minutes ago, watched that scene on the, uh, the animated comic. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, especially like all the bad guys are like super dumb. Cause they lay out the plot of their master plan while they have the good guy and they haven't done anything about it yet. So it just kind of supports the fact that he's the smartest man alive, quote unquote, that he, uh, <laughs> He's just like, oh, I already did it. That's why I'm telling you. I wouldn't tell you. Otherwise, like, what do you think? I'm an idiot. Like, I thought that was brilliant.
1: Um, and for those of you who don't know anything about Watchmen, uh, what he does is he basically drops a in the comic. I don't think it's a squid like it is in the show, but he drops like a giant monster on a bunch of major cities uh, across the, the world. Stop nuclear war, um, which is I, I mean, I've got so many like parallels to what's going on like mm-hmm. now. Uh and it really brings to question of like, was he right in doing this? Do you think like, do you think that he saved more lives by killing three million New Yorkers versus like the potential of a nuclear holocaust?
0: Well, um since I just watched the animated comic, I don't know if it's true to the comic or true to the movie. It seems like it's more true to the movie. I don't know how accurate the movie is, but they had the last four or five episodes of it, there was a guy that was, like, dragging a giant dead squid behind his boat, and then he brought it, and they they modified it with the brain of a psychic, so I guess there's some kind of stock to psychics, because that's what made him, like, a bomb, is they dropped this squid in New York, and the brain of a psychic inside of it created, like, a psychic explosion that, like, wiped out these people's brains. So... That said, it wiped out, like, millions of people, right? Like, three million people or something?
1: I think that's what they say in the in the show mm-hmm. um, when they, like, explain uh, what's-his-face, the mirror guy. When they explain his, like, backstory, um, I think that's what he says is it's, like, three million people died. Um, but I don't know that that is necessarily true. But it's, it's, that's just New York, right? Like, he mm-hmm. did it in multiple places around the world. Um, in a hope to, like, unite the world and make it a better place. And I find the the parallels to, like, especially, actually, and I don't want to make this, like, a political statement at all, but, you know, our, our current situation uh, with uh, coronavirus <laughs> and, you know, potentially, like, our president is making this decision of when to reopen the country. And so what is for the greater good of the people or, you know, whatever. And like this, this decision, I thought it was kind of interesting that we're doing this podcast like today mm-hmm. uh, when that's the whole, the whole thing that this like balances on. The, the story is Mandis making this kind of unilateral decision to do this thing.
0: Yeah, he... I thought that was like super interesting. It is like, it's, there's a lot of parallel moments in history, but this is definitely one of them where, like, there's the sacrifice of the few for the many kind of thing. And in most, like, superhero comics, the author pusses out and doesn't, like, have them actually get away with it, which is kind of what makes this one unique is it's already done. How do you react to the fact that it's already done? Because if you're trying to stop him, of course you should try and stop him. But the fact that he's already been successful, the plan is executed, the damage is done, do you go with the fact that he's just done this to so many people for the greater good, or do you just shit all over it? Like Rorschach does. And, uh, I, I feel like I would be on the opposite side of Rorschach. I feel like once the lives are gone, I would be on the side of the bad guy. What about you? I think that's
1: kind of an interesting Rorschach's ending to to start there. Like, I think that that's a very interesting thing that at first, Dr. Manhattan has this feeling like life is meaningless Like, what? why are these things even here? And, like, he, he of course, says it 50 million times. That he experiences time differently than we experience time. And his reality is not our reality and all that stuff. So, like, the beginning of the comics, he has this view on humans and life are worthless. And then at the end, he kind of comes around to, well, maybe not. But I'm still going to blow this dude up right here. I'm still going (laughs) to pop Rorschach like a tick. I don't know how i feel about uh like once it's done you know am i whose side am i on necessarily right because i suppose that in this alternate universe the cold war tensions are much higher right and Mm -hmm. it's like i think there's there's newspapers if i remember correctly like constantly as uh background pieces kind of showing what's going on and you know the leader of russia says this so nixon's doing this and blah 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 um so i imagine that the tensions are much higher and i guess if i was like in night owls shoes because really that's all that's left because dr manhattan's like yep i'm gone and teleports away
0: the the female characters there too i forget what her name is
1: uh, it's not Silk Spectre. It's, uh, it's Laurie something. Laurie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Cause
1: that's, that's the detective in the, in the TV show. Yes. I mean, I, I suppose at that point it depends on kind of your, um, <laughs> to get D and D like your character alignment, right? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of good character are you? Are you that lawful good person who's going to take Ozymandias in you know, no matter what, or are you kind of like the chaotic good where you busted in and tried to beat up the guy anyway? But, oh, I guess I see it from your perspective. So, yeah, I'm good with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I feel like Night Owl from the beginning is a very defeated character.
0: For sure. And he
1: just kind of goes along with Rorschach, maybe out of like a sentimental obligation. How do you feel about that? Because like, they they were partners.
0: Yeah, and like Rorschach really goes off the deep end when Night Owl quits And what they didn't show in the movie, but they did show in the animated comic, is that, like, Night Owl lets himself go. He gets, like, big, and he's real depressed and real defeated. His only friend is, like, this old guy that he goes and visits who's his, like, predecessor. Like you said, he's very defeated. So from his perspective, like, he's lost again, right? Like, I guess that's a fair thing to say is that he's lost again in this scenario because he was trying to stop it. So, I'm sorry, what was the rest of your question? (laughs)
1: Oh, so I was saying like, how do you, how do you feel about like his kind of character alignment sort of playing into how he just kind of like, he just, in my opinion, he just kind of accepts it for what it is. And like, he's like, wow, that's really messed up, but I guess I'm alive. So life goes on. Right. Yeah. Um, That's how I kind of interpreted him. And he now Rorschach's gone. He lost right so like what's he what's he gonna do i I feel like if there's any character that i honestly feel bad for in the whole situation it's probably night owl
0: yeah i mean i can i can definitely relate to him because like what's done is done is kind of a motto of mine to some degree like no use crying over spilled milk but at the same time it's a lot more tragic from his perspective than spilled milk but i mean i i feel really bad for uh well like, I don't know if I really feel bad for any of them they all kind of deal with things in their own ways like Rorschach dying actually I feel like that was more his plan than not dying in order for him to win he kind of had to die because of his like yeah. his dead letters that he sent to the mail and stuff because it would get real weird if he had survived that <laughs> I don't yeah, know how comes back and is... <laughs> well
1: so I, I, uh, I'm going to wait until we talk about the show to talk about those kind of dead letters because I have kind of like a Fan theory about them. Um, but I want to bring up something that's like a, a very central core to the Watchmen storyline, which I think is one of the reasons that drew me to it. And it's that at the end of the day, they're all just normal people, with the exception of Dr. Manhattan. And I suppose you could make an argument for Ozymandias because he's like some crazy billionaire guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just normal people that are not immune to bullets that are not immune to like disease and whatever. So I thought that that was like a really interesting take for the author to take, because at the end of the day, then like the, the, the story revolves around the comedian's death. Right. But the dude's kind of an asshole and (laughs) just goes around, like (laughs) just goes around, like slaughtering people in Vietnam and back here in the States. Um, So it's this, like, idea of, and it comes up over and over and over again, like, these are just normal people, so who watches the Watchmen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's the iconic phrase. I always thought that was something that really drew me in um, and made me relate to the characters a lot more, their kind of lack of superpowers.
0: That and, like, so they're obviously vulnerable, they're not invulnerable, they have the one invulnerable character, but... They all, they're so well written in their personalities. Like, everyone is so fleshed out. Like, uh, Silk Spectre's daughter, I forget what her name is. Lori. Her whole dynamic is that her mom fucked her up. So, like, her mom is a total histrionic personality and just completely lived vicariously through her. So, she has all the, like, rebellious and damage, the rebellious kind of damage that comes with not being the center of attention ever kind of thing so i feel like Mm -hmm. when she's like the reason that dr manhattan comes back to save the world it gives her whole like it's for the first time that she actually matters so i thought that was pretty cool and rorschach is just a fucking looney tune i love rorschach he's so damaged and like he doesn't even speak in complete sentences by the end so like I don't know what exactly damaged him, but he's fantastic. His mom was abusive and stuff, and finding a little girl being eaten by dogs, I'm sure, was pretty rough.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, and that's one of the things that critically won over everybody when this came out in the 80s, was just how flushed out all of these characters were. Like, there's not a single person that's a major character of the Watchmen that you don't end up, like, knowing their entire backstory or something like that heartbreaking about them that made them put on a costume and go i guess you could say fight evil but be vigilantes and who was who you're just about to say something else about like the next character
0: oh um the night owl was we kind of covered him that he's like his whole thing is like he's been defeated and he's like trying to get his his spunk back but the only character i really i don't have a grip on why they are the way they are is ozymandias I I feel like I didn't understand his character at all until Jeremy Irons portrayed him in the show, and now I just feel like, oh, okay. Like it just it took a hot minute to get somebody who actually understood him to explain him.
1: Yeah, I guess we can. I don't know how much more you want to say about the comics. I mean, the only thing that I really have is for those of you who are still like doubting how significant of a comic this was. It's one of nine graphic comics to ever win a Hugo Award, which is a huge deal in like the sci-fi fantasy world, Um, and it was the only. Uh, graphic novel on times 100 best of all time.
0: Oh really? I didn't know all that. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: 100 best novels. It's the only graphic novel. So like if you have the ability, I know if you're in York, uh, where we're from, uh, that the public library downtown, I'm not sure if it's still there. And they had a copy of it forever ago. That's where I checked it out from for free. Um, mm-hmm. it's totally worth the read, especially if you have a bunch of free time right now and you can get it highly recommend that novel or like you did watch the uh, animated novel that was really good
0: yeah what's crazy is uh, i told a friend of mine that i was gonna do this and he gave me this giant box set and he said that the animated comic is in there and i was like what and he said it's just the comic but they have a voice actor doing it so i thought that was pretty cool and then I realized he gave me a four disc version of The Watchmen, which I have no idea what is I have no idea. So now I have multiple copies of this movie, but so I wanted to watch that, but we were kind of running low on time, and then you told me it was on YouTube. So the animated comic is actually pretty good because I feel like the movie was too short to really give you all of the aspects of how the characters developed and everything. the The voice actor's name was Tom Stescholt. Tom Stescholt, and he's fantastic. He does all the voices, and he was actually really, really good. And I really enjoyed the animated comic. So you can see that for free on YouTube, and I recommend you guys check that out. Do you have anything you wanted to say about the comic, the animated comic, at all?
1: No, I agree. The voice acting was great. Um, if you just aren't into reading it, it, I mean, it is literally frame for frame the comic book just narrated um so if you don't want to actually read it but still experience how beautiful of a work even like the drawing and stuff is and the actual uh, each cell uh, it's entirely worth it i think each one's like 25ish minutes something like that
0: yeah the last couple are 30 but the first like 9 or 25 minutes so
1: um and it's dense if you yeah. have seen the movie it's the same story but so much better uh everything fleshed out makes it infinitely better so i guess that's all i really have to say about the the comic the movie um wow what a movie huh
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean okay so i've i've asked other people like what they thought about this movie And the number one critique it has is that there are large waggling peepees everywhere. So, I mean,
1: (laughs) really that's, that's, I mean, okay. I live in California now. I live in, in, in the Bay area. And, um, I guess that waggling peepees are just the norm for me now. I don't know. I, (laughs) I, 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 was telling you before this, uh, this started that I was in a cadaver lab and like, I, that stuff just doesn't bother me anymore. Like I see straight through it. Um,
0: So, wait, wait, wait. Okay. So, let's talk about you for just a second. So, you live in California now. I haven't talked to you. I've hardly spoken to you in 10 years. So,
1: Dude, I know. I think the last time I saw you, you were a manager at Isaac's still. (laughs) And I was there with my ex-girlfriend. So, that's at least like eight years ago now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a minute, man. So, like... Okay, so you're out there and you're, you're seeing cadavers, so that means you went to some kind of medical school?
1: Uh, yeah, I got my, or I completed a Doctor of chiropractic program at Palmer College West.
0: That's fucking awesome. Um, Congratulations. So
1: I'm in, thank you. I graduated in December, so now I'm just doing my thing, trying to build a practice and get patients in. and. Awesome. Hang out with, uh, with my friends, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get, actually, my boy Christian Vu to read some graphic novels. So I might start him here uh, with Watchmen. That's a good plan. Um, yeah, it might be a little dense, um, but yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I'm a crazy cat guy. Um, okay. I never thought I'd see the day, but here we are, two beautiful kitties later, um, yeah. <laughs> and just trying to trying to work in California, make it work. Right on. That's really uh, about it.
0: <laughs> what What inspired um, you to go to California?
1: My Fiance day, uh, when we started dating, I was, like, just checking out Cairo schools, and her family was all here, and uh, it was, I think, like, a 15-minute drive from her dad's place who, out here, so we were like, okay, perfect, we can shack up with him for a while and i can get through school and yeah it'll be great and it's not pennsylvania nothing against living in pennsylvania but i was ready for a change of pace i I put it to people this way like i could see myself doing well in like going back home and there's nothing wrong with like living in york i come and visit all the time uh not all the time a handful of times Mm -hmm. and uh i think i could do well there but i don't think i could thrive there i've decided to be in a place i feel like i can thrive um and i hope and to Everybody listening to this does the same. That's pretty much me, my last decade in a nutshell.
0: Um, <laughs> You've accomplished a lot.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, now, as for this uh, this here movie, uh,
0: yes.
1: I have very many things to... Actually, you wanted to hear the cadaver story. Yes, uh, that's right. That?
0: Yeah, I want to hear it from beginning to end. <laughs> so.
1: Okay, so, so this didn't actually happen in my class. I believe it was the class before me. Uh, we were required to take six months of cadaver lab in, uh, quarters one and two, there are 13 quarters to the program in three years and three months. Um, so the first six months you spend like six hours a week with dead people. And one of the things that you get tested on is like reproductive anatomy and believe it or not, damn near everybody looks the same when their skin is peeled away. Um, so they said like, look, we have to learn about these structures that like the, the charts in in the notes would show like a, a dick just cut straight down like the middle and it's like okay if if we have to like be able to do that in the notes can you just like dissect one here for us so she the anatomy teacher had dissected it off and before she could split it down the middle it disappeared and she was <laughs> what? she was pretty <laughs> she was pretty furious <laughs>
0: It disappeared uh, like somebody snatched it or was there like a cat in the room that scooped it up?
1: No, no, no. So it's like it had to have been a student or faculty because it's like to get into the building, you have to buzz in. And then there's uh, a locked door, which only security or faculty has the key for. um, And then another locked door and then another locked door to get to where like the dissection room is. Um, And I hope that you don't have images of like a grand, big medical facility because like – my school was – total school was smaller than our graduating class. So oh, wow. it's a – yeah, tiny, tiny program. And I think there were like eight bodies. But yeah, the somehow someone got it before she could split it down the middle and <laughs> –
0: I'm just like imagining what you it would do with a disembodied away. penis. Like, oh, I uh,
1: feed it to your dog. I don't know. <laughs>
0: like, I don't... and how do they not suspect the person who was just like, can you cut it off for me? <laughs> I feel like he's suspect <laughs> number one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It, it happened. Um, Cause I, I had it confirmed. Like, yes, this is a thing that did occur. They don't know what happened to it. Just went missing. <laughs>
2: That's they, just didn't,
1: they didn't pursue it i don't know who would have thrown it in a backpack and walked away but someone really needed some dick so
0: apparently we just have it in like a shrine in their house with candles all around it and shit it's
1: one of those things of like i would rather not know
0: yeah i imagine that's true
1: you know like like there's some buffalo bill somewhere with that thing and i don't want to discover who that is
0: yeah i, just, I don't ugh, ugh, ugh. anyway so speaking of large waggling peepees, this movie,
1: <laughs> uh, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. And in the show too. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie really, um, wow. So shoot, Like the dialogue in some places was just awful. The prosthetics, especially the Nixon prosthetics. Oh my God. That they put on that actor. <laughs> they, his nose looks like a clown nose. Like it you does. could go up and just like
0: krunk, krunk,
1: <laughs> right onto that thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like the, yeah, the prosthetics and like the costumes look fucking miserable to put on and take off. They're like rubber.
1: The night owl one. Oh, okay, it's it's too bad this is this isn't video because like there's this scene where someone's next to him and he turns and just like full whole body has to has to turn in order for him to like get anywhere <laughs> close to being able to look at them and it's. It's the most awkward, like, (laughs) you could tell how uncomfortable the actor is in the scene, in the costume, because he's, like, struggling to hold himself upright. (laughs) It's so bad. And, (laughs) And Silk Spectre's whole thing is, like, she can't believe how her mom made her dress in this like super revealing costume and blah, 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 blah. But man, when it comes to needing to save the day, she will throw that thing on in a New York minute. <laughs> like she is on it.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I imagine like peeling it off here. She like, how do her nipples stay on? Like, it looks like it's so sticky. <laughs> you just rip off <laughs> everything. Like, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I, this, I, okay. So, I suppose that like the point of 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 this show is is I assume you had the movie first and that was like your intro to Watchmen. Yes. So what did you think your first time watching the movie?
0: I thought it was fucking awesome the first time I watched it. I was so into it. It does not hold up that way. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. So for reference, it came out in 2008.
0: 8 or 2009? Yeah. In that zone.
1: So we would have been like 17, 18?
0: Approximately, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I can see how like at the time you would have been like, oh yeah, okay, this is badass. Like, I can get it.
0: This is like pre-Avengers and shit though. Like, this is pre-even Dark Knight probably. It came out before that. So we didn't know what good superhero movies were. Like, that was the best we had at that moment.
1: I think Iron Man came out our senior year.
0: Iron Man came out in two thousand eight, so Iron Man was around before. So our
1: sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right around that time, mm-hmm. and this was like DT's response, right? Like this
0: was <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> this was their way of being like, not only are we Marvel quality, we are better, and they answer with this. I really the only actors that I knew in the movie were uh, the guy who plays the comedian. He's also he plays Negan on The Walking Dead.
0: Jeffrey um, Dean Morgan.
1: Yes, and he is pretty good on The Walking Dead. I can. that's a whole other discussion. I'm, I love those graphic novels. Um, mm. but he's pretty good on there. I can't believe how like terrible of a job he does in this movie.
0: Really? I thought he was the best part of the movie.
1: He is, but that's setting the bar. Like the, that's not saying a lot. No. I think that as far as performances go, like he's so much better in the walking dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the person I had the most issue with was, uh, the guy who plays Byte.
0: Me too. Yeah, like the whole everything about Vite the actor, the way that he's written and everything in the movie is just you don't know what the fuck is going on. Like he doesn't seem badass, he doesn't seem all that smart and they don't properly explain anything he's doing the whole time, which is kind of the whole key of the series is like he's the mastermind behind it all. Uh, I forget what his name is. He's in another movie I do like him in called The Lookout. Have you seen that with uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the main dude?
1: no but my lady loves her some joseph gordon levitt so maybe i'll check that out if it's actually a good movie
0: yeah i like that maybe that one's joseph gordon levitt has like some kind of brain problem and these people come and like convince him to rob a bank with them and the guy who convinces him is the guy who plays bite okay yeah that's a good one
1: yeah this performance is not very strong no. <laughs> and i think like even at the end he again like as i said earlier there's this big reveal scene and it's this whole, like, you don't know who's the quote-unquote bad guy of the graphic novel series until the very, very end. And it's one of the things that I think is so good about it is that there's so much build-up that it's like that, it's, everything happens in such a short period of time. And in this, that whole scene is ruined by his shitty act. (laughs) It's so, so bad. Well, that and, like, Night Owl looking as uncomfortable as he does. But it's like, the whole reveal scene is just, so terribly awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, I just can't believe how bad, like he didn't even say in that, like you're, you know, I did it 35 minutes ago. And that's the iconic line. How can you miss that beat? It doesn't make sense to me.
0: There were a lot of scenes in the movie that were like frame for frame the same with the animated comic, which is why I wasn't sure if it was like legit the comic or not. So there were some parts that I was like, "Oh, I think they actually kind of did that justice." But that the most important scene of the movie is not one of those moments. And no. I like Patrick Wilson a lot as an actor. I, I also liked the costume in the movie better than the costume in the comic. Is that sacrilege to say?
1: For which which character? Oh, like uh, Rorschach.
0: No, for the owl, the night owl.
1: Oh, for Night Owl? Yeah, yeah his, his. I'll be honest, when I, I remember actually when I first read the graphic novel, again, I was 18, and I remember, I hadn't seen the movie, but I remember looking at his character and just thinking, this guy looks dumb. Yeah. If I saw this guy on the street and he was trying to stop me, I would punch him in the face. Like, <laughs> he does not look like a very aggressive or menacing superhero. Well, I guess he's not a superhero. He doesn't look like a very menacing or aggressive hero.
0: He looks like a nun. I guess that's kind of the point. He really does. Yeah, and I think that's inspiration for the TV show, which we'll get into, that that character is a nun. He just looks fucking dumb in the comics. So at least in the movie, they improved the general aesthetic. He doesn't have a square head, but it Mm -hmm. still looks terribly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, that whole rubber suit. I can imagine... I I really hope that this wasn't a high-budget movie, because i remember it bombing in the box office
0: it was a high budget movie this was a huge installment (laughs) (laughs) it just didn't go so good that
1: that sucks yeah i i don't really know what else to say about the movie like i i guess the primary problem is that Watchmen is so dense that to try and get it into a two to two and a half hour movie like it's Mm. a big undertaking to do um it's actually because, three
0: and a half said, hours. Is full. Yeah, the full version is three and a half hours.
1: I feel like when I watched it, it didn't last that long. They have like all the Damn. different cuts. Okay. The
0: Snyder cut is three and a half hours long, but like the theatrical oh. version is like an hour and forty-five minutes or some fucking nonsense. Like
1: okay, yeah that's that's what I watched. I didn't watch the uh the like three and a half hour long one, but maybe if I did, it would have been better paced. Maybe that's the the primary issue with it is that the pacing of the movie is just off
0: and like the action was cool back in the day, but compared to the way action goes in superhero movies now, like the power punches where you punch someone, you don't have super strength, but if you punch someone and they go spinning into a wall that shatters, like that doesn't really play if you don't have super strength. And like when they raid the yeah. prison, it's like, bad it's so bad they're doing high kicks in their leather and it's, it's bad <laughs> i really like the uh, opening scene though the opening scene was cool where they throw them out the window and shit
1: yeah and they do uh rorschach's whole like journal thing immediately after and that's like that's one of the shot for shot kind of remakes mm-hmm. but i did like that opening fight scene yeah. i like how they set it up there actually more than how it's set up in the graphic novel where it's kind of interspliced with, with the detectives like looking over the scene. I think it makes kind of more sense to show him getting killed first and then pick up with the detectives and Rorschach and stuff.
0: I was super impressed, impressed with the comic in that kind of regard though. Like for the movie, it worked way better that way. But in the comic when like, (laughs) one group of people is doing something and then something is happening to another group of people. Like there's a conversation happening over here and it mirrors what's happening to like Rorschach. When uh night owl's talking to somebody Rorschach's like doing something that it isn't directly the same thing, but the words apply to both. Like that's the real genius of this comic. I think is like their journals and all that. I feel like that's really what gives it substance is that one thing's being said, while the same thing is happening to somebody else
1: how many does does every uh issue of watchmen start with a Rorschach journal entry
0: um the one where he's in prison it's the whole one is his therapist journal okay so I don't know if they're and no, they don't all know because one of them is like a kid reading a comic book and it's like flashes to the comic book instead of Rorschach's journal
1: that's right that's right mm-hmm. okay because his I have a whole kind of theory about like his journal and the seventh Calvary, which is like in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm honestly not really sure what else to really say about the movie. I would not rate it as very good. (laughs) (laughs) No. Did you watch the full like three and a half hour version?
0: I mean, I thought I did, but I got the blockbuster version. So I don't know if you remember this about blockbuster, but they would edit out things that they found unacceptable to a christian audience so they would really they literally animated underwear onto uh the dr manhattan in several scenes like there's scenes where he is wearing like the man thong but they literally edit underwear onto him as he's walking around a lot of the time The only scenes where you see is dick. dick. Yeah, the only scenes you see a dick are the ones where it's like essential to the plot that you're seeing is dick. So I thought (laughs) I had the full version of it, and I do not. And then my buddy gave me this with all these discs in it, and now I'm like I don't know if I can really determine if I'm going to dump this disc now that I know I have all this movie I need to (laughs) rewatch. Look at this shit. It's like super thick. I just
1: don't know that. I mean, again, my primary issue with the movie, I guess, is acting and pacing because they don't really have enough time to flush it out. But man, I don't want like a Lord of the Rings experience out of this. And one of the things that I really actually like about the movie is that it's very like frank miller-y it is yeah and i don't think i could do that for three and a half hours no. i think that it would kind of lose its appeal um and any of you who have seen like sin city or uh what's the other one that he has out i can't remember the other movie spirit is that what it is
0: yeah it's basically the same movie except bad <laughs> <laughs>
1: um <laughs> any of you have seen that it's not the same Um, but it's, it kind of has a similar like feel to how kind of gritty and edgy it is. Mm Uh, and I don't think I could sit through three hours and 37 minutes or whatever it is of, of that. It would not be my fancy.
0: I feel like Zack Snyder and, uh, what's his name? Michael Bay they kind of have like a similar reputation at this point where they're like, we're going to make it a gritty reboot with explosions and leather. So, (laughs) but I mean, I kind of like Zack Snyder because I can't let go of that, uh, that Dawn of the dead movie from 2005. Like that's one of the best movies ever made. And like, I I can't let go of Zack Snyder for that. But like, and I, I didn't think justice league was the worst movie ever, but for the most part, Zack Snyder's not not delivering these days so I mean the Snyder cut of things is always longer and I'm hoping that as I watch the ultimate cut of this movie that it'll be better but the pacing is just wrong for the two-hour one
1: yeah it's it's way too rushed um but I will like you said I will give him props on Rorschach's mask Mm -hmm. that's probably my favorite part of the movie is this like ever shifting ever changing thing that's kind of going on with his face. Um, I thought that was really cool.
0: Well you're transitioning us perfectly into the TV show because around Halloween time I was toying around with the idea of being Rorschach and the TV show premiered in October so I was like oh shit and I found Rorschach masks that as you would breathe into them the heat of your breath would make the the mask change and shit. It was fucking cool. That's cool. It was fucking (laughs) cool and then on the 20th of October... Before Halloween, the show comes out, and everyone who wears a Rorschach mask is a fucking KKK member. And I was like, "Oh, this mask has not got a good look right now. <laughs> this is probably not the okay. mask to wear."
1: So, uh, yeah. Although I, I don't know, man. That that's your own interpretation of that. I would say if you think it's cool, you wear it. You you do your <laughs> you do you, Miles. You live your life. But this is my theory. Okay, this is what I think has kind of happened. First of all, to before we go to the show. I think that Rorschach's – I don't want to say transformation, but he starts the the comic book with this, like, you know, Rorschach's journal, October whatever, October 12th, 1985. And it's like the world is a bunch of whores and drug addicts just, like, shooting up in the street and fornication everywhere. And, you know, he's, like, very um, ultra-conservative – I have a feeling mildly racist, but maybe not. And by and like basically everyone should die and he straight up says there needs to be a cleansing. By the end of it, he's trying to stop that cleansing from happening, right?
0: Oh shit, and you're right. I didn't even think of that.
1: I think I think that's a really interesting thing because he writes all of this in his journal, sends it off to the newspapers. I have a feeling this is my like connect the dots in my own head. The newspapers, as it shows in the movie, and I'm not sure about in the graphic novel, I don't remember, uh, there's like, it's a slow news day, so they're like, what do we want to print? And he gets Rorschach's journal. Assuming that that journal survives the blast, they print the story, and now, like, they print his manifesto. These other people in the South, this resonates with this, like, cultural cleansing that needs to happen because we're not really given that much background info on the 7th K in the show. They're just kind of like, oh, they attacked once before and they're going to, you know, now they're back, right? Like it it doesn't really explain where they come from. So they all wear the Rorschach masks, meaning that they probably, in my head, subscribe to his there needs to be a cleansing, which the senator says, you know, pretty much outright at the end or when he's revealed to be a part of the 7th K. And they're kind of following in Rorschach's manifesto. Mm -hmm. That's how I kind of see them starting. And I think that that's an incredible incredible connection i think that like their ability to do that for the the show writers to take this idea of okay this actually happened because it was the comic was supposed to happen around the same time as it was released which i believe was like 87 to 88 so it was about two years behind in its own real world timeline and the story of the show takes place in 2020 Yeah, I believe so. Somewhere around there, Mm -hmm. something like that. Somewhere, we'll say between 2015 and 2025. I can't remember exactly where. Um, So it's like 30-ish years later, right around on point with us. It kind of makes sense to me to connect those dots.
0: Because of the show now, we have like three generation, like the Minutemen, the Watchmen, and then I don't know what they call the new ones. But we basically get to see like the evolution of just the way that people who are superheroes basically interact with society and how the events of like the very first minutemen affect our modern day superheroes and stuff and i thought that was fucking brilliant like this tv show i i was pretty into tv last year and this show was without a doubt a million bajillion miles the best show i watched in 2019 like it was just so fucking good and so fucking well made do you, did you agree with that? Like, was...
1: so last year television wise for me, uh, was not big, I was finishing up grad school. Oh, so yeah. I've been catching up. I've been catching up since then. I had heard it was coming out. I was excited. It was coming out. I did not understand. Cause I'd only seen like the media pictures of, uh, sister night mm-hmm. and or Angela, whatever you want to call her of her. Like, you know, with the, the yellow mask across her face and, you know, the the hood and everything. I'd only seen the media stuff. I didn't really know what it was about, but I'd heard it was incredible. After seeing the Watchmen movie, I think I saw it maybe six or seven years ago, I was not very hype on it being, like, a decent show when I first heard about it. Um, and I was excited to watch it, to be honest with you. One episode in, and I was, like, 20 minutes in, and I was in. I was in, I was so down to watch this entire show. They had me hook, line, and sinker. The first episode, that like freaking ridiculous raid on that 7th K place with the 50 cal on the back and of the, the truck.
0: And the cows and shit. Just
1: mowing them <laughs> down. Yeah. And then the they use like basically a remake of uh, Night Owl's ship to shoot down the 7th K plane
0: i think it like or, that was I, I felt like it was the actual like original one wasn't it i could be wrong yeah. sure why <laughs> not
1: yeah sure if not it was something similar i don't know that but that was the first thing that i said i like tapped my fiance. i was like look look that's from that's from the graphic novel come on come on come on mm-hmm. there it is they <laughs> they brought his shit back that's so cool
0: can you believe um, that they had this attention to detail yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, little did I know how much attention to detail there actually was. So one of the big kind of mysteries of the Minutemen is what happened to Hooded Justice. He just disappears in 1955. So of all the Minutemen, as they tell you over and over again in the graphic novels, they're like almost all dead or insane or in jail. And they don't know what happened to Hooded Justice. So I thought that that entire backstory was incredible
0: that's what Um, i think of when i think of this show now is that episode it was just like so well made
1: well i i think of so the first four episodes aren't bad not by any means but as far as like exposition goes it's definitely exposition right like it's getting ready for the main stuff and then episode five happens it's called little fear of lightning it's the one where uh where Wade is brought in by the 7th K and they like reveal everything to him. From there on the show just goes. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. And like I said, episodes one through four, awesome. But five and on are where the show just really, really shines. I have, I told you when we were first talking about this, I've, uh, I took pretty good notes of stuff. Beware of the Cyclops, like the Cyclops stuff. I'm not sure. I don't remember if that comes up in the movie or the show at all. No, or, I'm sorry. The movie or the comic book.
0: Um, I recognize now,
1: but I thought that whole side plot that was kind of like the main plot of hooded justice mm-hmm. was so creative. Me too.
0: Um, yeah. That, that shit was so good. Like just the way that they handled the racism and the fact that racism totally trumped gay stuff like the racism was way more like detrimental to everybody's health back then and then having the kkk be led by the cyclops organization or whatever and just the way that white people were treating him and stuff and how he busted what was it a warehouse or whatever he kicked in the door and just like fucked everybody up That shit was fucking crazy
1: (laughs) and then well so he does that at the warehouse he like busts in and i think he like kills three dudes but then he later finds that other big warehouse and he like sets it on fire but he keeps the film canister remember Mm -hmm. because that's how he figures out how to do like the mind control stuff this whole if you haven't seen this show we just sound like we're rambling like mind control and just all sorts of weird craziness but the nostalgia episode is episode what um seven or eight and i think that that is the best episode of the entire show
0: um well before we start talking about the nostalgia episode i think that we need to make a little space here for an ad break and i need to take some drinks of my drinky drink here and then when we come back we will talk about the best episode of this show Man, I'm having a really good time talking to Yashi. I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. I just have a few quick announcements and a very special thank you. So first of all... Uh, you can reach out to me at discdumppod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little pee-pee in there. It's important. Twitter is at the Disc dump. Instagram is Disc dump podcast. Again, don't forget the pee-pee. And on Facebook, it's DiscDumpPodcastFans. It's a group that you can join to see all things Disc dump. You can see the promotional materials, start some discussions, and really is a great place to get a hold of me also. I want to give a very special thank you to john uh mr weber john weber he's been on the podcast a couple times now he was so kind as to give me a copy of Watchmen with the animated comic so john thank you for that uh i also want to thank yashi for doing this super fun podcast with me for your listening pleasure and last but not least I want to thank Darren at Parma Pizza in Dallastown. They have been doing a really great service in providing food for students who are put out by coronavirus. A lot of kids, the only meal they get per day is through the school. And since the schools are all closed, he wants to make sure everybody's eaten. So they are doing a really great service. They are providing pizza for the kids who need it. It's all working out super well, I think. And I know the kids appreciate it. And to give them a very special thank you, I just want you all to know that they're doing this great service. They are the best pizza in York as far as I'm concerned. I always get pizza from there if I'm getting pizza because Domino's gives you the runs and Pizza Hut tastes like cardboard, so you definitely want a nice pizza place like Parma to give you what you want. Uh, They also had some recent problems with their phone number on Google, so you got to be careful about that because they got hacked and they had to pay... a pretty decent chunk of change to get their phone number back on google and it's not quite back yet so if you want to order pizza from parma pizza in Town, here is the phone number 717-501-5608 again please support these guys they just had their one year anniversary with that ownership and they're doing really great things at I'm sure a big cost to them because it's just the right thing to do so I think that that should be rewarded and I think you guys should order pizza from them and it doesn't hurt that they have the best pizza around thank you guys so much I appreciate what you're doing for the community and now without further ado we'll get back to the discussion
1: All right,
0: it's episode six actually okay so what just give me a brief like what happens in that episode oh
1: okay all right so it's called uh the extraordinary being and it's about it's like will's backstory like the backstory to hooded justice it's the one where angela takes uh nostalgia
0: oh that's right the the drug that makes you remember other people or your memories or other people's memories yeah i forgot all yeah, about that so one
1: so a little bit of setup so episode five like the big reveal of what is of what the bad guys are trying to do happens and it ends with the seventh k breaking in on on in wade's house and you're like holy oh man this guy's dead and then it just like cuts to black and it starts with the next episode starts with like we're going to completely ignore wade we're not going to take you back to him at all we're going to focus on somewhere entirely different uh, which is this whole like backseat or backstory. So uh, yeah. D- do you want to explain what like nostalgia is like how I think they explain how they make it a little bit in the show.
0: From what I recall, Vite's company, the company that was run by the bad guy of the novel, of the graphic novel, his company has produced a drug that if you go undergo a procedure where they like transfuse elephant brain cells into your brain they can extract your memories and put them into—is it like pills or a little vial? I
1: think I think it's true. I think it's Lady True.
0: Lady True, yes, and she's she yeah, owns like, his company at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's Vite in this in this world is like off on mars or something no he's not on mars he's on uh europa i think mm, yeah because that's where that's where dr manhattan made adam and eve and then decided he hated adam and
0: Eve. <laughs> <laughs> so he just bounced in love. which <laughs> deuces <Yeah>. i'm
1: out <laughs> um <laughs> which I thought it was so funny. So yeah, they make this drug that like implants memories, but it was made illegal because then people were just like living in the past and going crazy over like decisions that they made and stuff. Mm -hmm. But Wills, the man who claims to be Angela's grandfather leaves her these like pills to prove kind of that he is that. And so I don't even know where to start here. Like The cinematography of this episode is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, they start to bleed out colors slowly as she's going back. And then when she starts to come out of it, they, like, bleed these colors in. But it happens over a course of, like, maybe three to four minutes in both directions. So you, you just ever so subtly notice it. And then before you know it, you're in a completely black and white. Or, like, sepia tone scene, which I thought was super cool.
0: Three to four minutes doesn't sound like a long time until you're, like, really sitting in front of a TV. And you're watching three to four minutes is a huge chunk of time for a TV show. So the fact that they had the patience and the diligence to, like, do that was fantastic. And the, the way they play with, like, focus and she'll be, like, walking over here and then it, the camera will take her perspective and then when she, like, looks in a mirror, she's the uh, the other person whose memory she's having and shit. The cinematography is fucking amazing. Is, is that the same episode that you get the backstory of uh, Hooded Justice?
1: Yeah, so her grandfather is Hooded Justice, who's one of the original Minutemen. He's the one who goes missing in, like, 1955. So you don't really know what happens to him necessarily. It doesn't go down that route. But it shows how, like, this black man became Hooded Justice, and even then had to, like, wear white makeup so that his own, like, superhero friends would accept him into their group.
0: And, like, the the leader of the Minutemen was, like, in love—not in lust with him, I guess, because apparently they were both gay, and the leader of the Minutemen was, like— such a piece of shit to him like they would have sex and then he would just be like so you you go drink out of that fountain i'll be over here like such a fucking asshole that dude was
1: yeah i actually his name is uh nelson gardner and he is the one who yeah like he's the one who says like no you don't understand i'm not racist they're
2: racist
1: (laughs) they're the ones you have to wear it for has nothing to do with me and then even then there's like if i recall correctly there's all sorts of signs that like show them beating up like it's essentially like super racist early 1900s you know 1930s signs showing like beating up specifically minorities and like black people and stuff you can count on the minutemen and the wear and tear that this takes on will and angela knows nothing about this which i think is what's so cool is that like not only is she learning about her grandfather right like but most of us who who I don't know if you knew your grandparents or not, but like most of us who grew up with some sort of grandparent at some point asked them, like, so tell me about what this was like. Mm-hmm. But like Angela never had that experience. She didn't know this side of her family at all because it even shows her mom dying uh, or her grandmother dying in Vietnam. That was the most heartbreaking scene of probably the whole show for me was finally like you're like yes she's out of this orphanage she's gonna be so happy and then june falls dead as she goes to walk around the freaking driver's side but she's not just learning about like this is a thing that happened she's learning about her own past and like her own identity as she's one of these uh quote-unquote superheroes which I think is like a really interesting thing. It's not just that she's learning. This is a random person who gave me these memories to solve a mystery. She's learning about herself.
0: Yeah. That was part of the beauty of it. And didn't she have to go to like the DNA museum to like make sure that this was actually her grandfather after I thought that was cool as shit too. like the DNA museum. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was like an eggcorn. An like you scan your thumb in the show or something like that. And then it gives you an eggcorn, and you walk into like this room and plant the acorn. And it shows you your family tree, That's which right. was such a cool <laughs> idea. Like, if that existed in real life, man, sign me up, shut up and take my money. Let's see it.
0: I mean, I don't think we're too far away from that with like the 23 and me and all that other bullshit that send us your DNA and let us do whatever we want with it. We'll tell you where you're from.
1: Yeah, I have opinions on that stuff, but that's a conversation for a different time. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that is constant that comes up even in the movie is uh, lettuce. Did you notice that? How often lettuce comes up? Yeah, like, the 7th K, all their truck beds have, like, lettuce falling out of them. And there's, I think the same thing happens in the movie. There's a bad guy that gets busted, and he's got, like, lettuce in the back of his truck. I'm fairly certain. Like, I don't know why that's such an imagery in, well, I guess it would be in the movie and in the comic book, why that's such an imagery that they keep coming back to. But I thought that that was, like, a really strange thing. And it's something that is particularly important to this episode, because... In this episode is where Angela makes the connection to, like, the 7th K and who they might be, like, where they might be and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she notices that from back in the day, they were all lettuce farmers at the market. And, like, that leads her to, like, in the first episode, a piece of lettuce drops off. When, they're, when the guys, like, drive away with the 50 cal thing. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back again when Wade follows that girl to from, like, home to the 7th K place. And then comes back again in this dream. It happens over and over and over. And I that's one piece of imagery that I honestly don't understand.
0: Oh, man, I was really hoping you were understanding it because I was about to ask you, so what the hell does that mean?
1: <laughs> no, man, I actually wanted to ask you about it. Like, what would you think? Like, why do you think they might have chosen... Um, that of all things like heads of lettuce I think is, is it's like a heads will roll kind of thing or what I do I mean
0: think? I think that definitely like every time that you see one fall out of a truck I'm pretty sure they're driving away from killing somebody for the most part so I do think there's the heads will roll thing but is it weird to say that I feel like it sort of personifies like a greed kind of thing like amassing something so like Lettuce and money are both green, obviously, and some people call money lettuce. I- I'm just thinking out loud. I probably sound stupid as shit, but like they, they always have like large amounts. It's not like they're walking around with a head of lettuce. They have huge amounts of it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it kind of has something to do with how much of something they ha- Like they're showing a surplus that's kind of like a power kind of thing. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, we are I think we're definitely reading into it too far, yeah. but I just <laughs> thought it was like a really, a really interesting piece of imagery and wanted to ask you about it. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask, what did you think about the Adam and Eve characters?
0: That s- whole storyline was like, what the fuck is going on <laughs> until like the second to last <laughs> episode? I was like, I still don't understand what's happening. Until he started fishing them out of the lake, I was like, why is this a thing on this show? I thought Jeremy Irons fucking stole the show. Like he was so good because he was just like belittling all these mental midgets all around him and <laughs> making them call him master and shit. Like I feel like that's really what it took for me to understand exactly what kind of character he is uh, as Mandia. Like he just has this superiority complex that he just manipulates people with. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And the Adam and Eve characters, like the actors that play them, how he makes them like act out the movie and shit. That's I was like, babe, babe, look, see, that's the that's where the clock was in the radioactive thing, and now he's cooking him. Oh man! And then he like actually like cooked him in the thing.
1: (laughs) I was so wildly uncomfortable with the first time that they show the Adam and Eve characters because. The first time that they show Eve, he's like sitting there naked at a typewriter and her head just like pops up out of his lap,
2: mm-hmm. like, not
1: like oh, hello. Nice to see you there, like <laughs> out of nowhere. And then from there on, it's just he just treats them like shit the entire time and they go along with it. But what I think shows Vite's level of like how far kind of gone he is, is that he gets one of them to uh what's what's his what does he call him he gets one of them to basically trap him there oh i can't remember what he calls the guy but it's the the guy who like is the is it the game warden
2: oh yeah yeah, the warden
1: the game warden
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's one of the adam and eve like it's one of the adams yeah i'm not sure if dr manhattan put him up to it but i think it's kind of assumed that he's the one who told him to do that and it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, he's so crazy.
0: He needs to have, like, some kind of nemesis is the whole thing. I think if they actually directly say that at one point. Like, I just need to have someone to compete with. And he's like, was I a worthy adversary? He's like, no, you were not a worthy. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fa- – oh, man. I fucking love Jeremy Irons. And then, like, when it reveals that he's the one who's just been, like, dumping squid on everybody for no reason other than, well, I got to keep up appearances that squid monsters are coming – when he, like, laid all the bodies out on the moon or whatever. That was so fucking clever. And it says, like, send nudes. No, it doesn't. It says help me or whatever. <laughs> but,
1: it says uh, help me daughter, I think. Oh, or save me says- daughter. Something like that. Yeah, because he uh he told True that he would never call her daughter.
0: Man, that True character is a fucking Looney Tune too, huh? That whole storyline was fucking yeah, wild. <laughs> she cloned her mom Clones and is raising her, her mom. Her mom. <laughs> that shit was but cool. Then-
1: but that, that gets back to that elephant thing, because then she hooks up her mom to the same device and implants her mom's memories into this clone who's, like, 20-ish.
0: I mean, if that. Somewhere in there. Yeah,
1: yeah and, and like, knows that she's actually a dead woman. Like, that's just such a strange turn of a storyline. In an already, like, very strange universe, that was such a weird take for the the story writers to to do like it, it really has nothing to do with anything in the story that she's not no. an important character at all. And they just decide to like throw this thing out there. Like, Oh yeah, by the way, that's not her daughter. That's her mom.
0: Yeah. That was like fucking wild. And like the way they introduced true's character too where she goes up to the farmers who've been trying to conceive and is like, here's a baby if you want it. However, I need this place in the next 30 seconds. And, like, the, <laughs> what was it? Like an asteroid or whatever fell down. And she was like, it's mine uh yeah yeah like that shit was fucking uh, like the whole that whole scene i'm looking at my girlfriend and she's looking at me and we're like are we watching the right show is this watchman <laughs> like who is this bitch
1: <laughs> where did this lady come from yeah that i think she's like the world's first trillionaire or something like that mm-hmm. that's like a part of her character lore and she is she ends up being the primary bad guy
0: right for the most like she teams up with the 7k or whatever they're called the seven cavalry and uh, she's, yeah. she basically funds them to build the the uh, machine that catches Dr. Manhattan. Speaking of Dr. Manhattan, my girlfriend's favorite part of the show is that fucking dude. Because he's walking around with his fucking industrial BBC. grade light uh, <laughs> flashlight hanging from his fucking okay. crotch.
1: <laughs> Did you catch the name of, you know, the scene where Laurie, she goes and actually it's like, through that whole, I think, second or third episode, Lori's at that phone booth and she's calling Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. She tells like that big long joke. And then she goes back to the hotel room and she has that giant blue dildo.
0: I miss the giant blue dildo. That's hilarious. Oh
1: man, okay. she's like playing with it in bed. Like she it's like the thing that is a part of the scene. She like has this huge blue dildo with these like big blue shiny balls. And it it's called the X Cal Iber. And the guy's name in Watchmen in the show is
0: Cal. That's it's like
1: right. X Cal Iber.
0: That's funny. I totally missed that.
1: Yeah. Well, my roommate caught it. I entirely missed it. I didn't understand his storyline, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I understand what happens, but I guess I was a little confused as to, like, they don't explain when he comes back to Earth, how he can suddenly, I guess it's not really important, how he can suddenly, like, look like a normal person completely turn off his blue skin and change what he looks like i know they like do the implant thing in him or whatever but it i don't know there's there's like a big plot hole there for me that kind of ruins his storyline and his whole like i can see everything in the future except this like odd 30 seconds of time in which i can't see anything like to me That would make me a hell of a lot more cautious, huh?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, you would be like, hey, there's this 30-second period of time where I'm doing this before that, and then nothing good happens after that. Maybe I shouldn't do what happens directly before that. Maybe I should do something else. Or, like, he walks
1: out. So, in that scene where he gets captured, they walk out, and Angela's, like, you know, being Angela and shooting people and stuff, trying to save him. And he walks out, and he's just like, nope, you're obliterated, and you're obliterated, and you're obliterated. Yo, Angela, I'm going to completely turn around now, and yeah. I know this guy's taking his sweet ass time to stand up and charge this cannon, but I'm just going to stand here, cool? Like,
0: yeah, he, that was like... He least. doesn't... That made me so fucking mad. I was like, what are you doing? What but are I you doing?
1: That's like the suspension of belief, right? And okay, but like in a sto- in a series that goes way out of its way to make things at least like remotely believable like they give it a plausible explanation as to why almost everything in the show is happening except for this one thing the world's smartest man who can see all points in time simultaneously lets himself be captured and it doesn't make sense
0: yeah he was just like i'm going to die now like i i think it's because in like the the comic and in the movie they basically illustrate that he's like barely grasping onto his humanity And I think like the last stitch of his humanity is like, Oh, I need to die. Like that's something that needs to happen in my life cycle. I feel like that's why he lets them capture him because he's just like, there will come a point where he is no longer human and he's something completely different. And I guess that's his way of just hanging on to humanity to the last moment is to let himself die. But that's just kind of how I interpreted it.
1: I think that's a good interpretation. I think that's super solid. Yeah. I really liked his backstory. Um, with Angela and how he just like walks into the bar and he's like, hello, let me tell you exactly what's about to happen. I thought that was like really cool. Um, their whole like kind of love story and stuff.
0: Um, yeah. the And like the way they filmed that was pretty cool too, because they did it from his perspective where it was like a whole bunch of different timelines all going at the same time. And they just like jumped around between them. I thought that was super clever filmmaking.
1: I do have to say there was one thing that is such a small detail, but it cracked me up and really made me laugh so you know when they uh i can't remember this guy's name wade whatever wade's character's name is crystal crystal ball or something like that mirror mirror glass uh looking glass looking looking glass.
0: glass looking glass yes
1: um when his character is inside of their giant like interrogation thing and he's got that remote i'm gonna do you know what that remote is actually what that remote actually goes to That he has in his hand. What's that? It's a Dyson fan remote.
0: It was a Dyson fan remote?
1: Yeah, like the one that he's using in the show to like make all the graphics and stuff happen like all over the screens as he's like interrogating and torturing people is the same fan remote that I had like sitting on my coffee table. (laughs) And I caught a a glimpse of that. And I was like, wait a minute, Kim, is that? Kim's my fiance. I was like, is that the same? Is that the same? Is he just like controlling the breeze inside of the thing is he just like making it nice and cool for them or what's going on in there it was just a really like weird i don't know how that got on the set or the prop list just something (laughs) that like stood out to me that i saw that was just a little weird detail
0: and that's like a table fan is what you're talking about
1: yeah yeah so someone somewhere (laughs) in the office was like shit we don't have a remote for this thing we need to make it look digital and fancy throw this in there
0: this is a weird looking remote
1: (laughs) that'll work i don't know what what other things really stuck out to you for the show
0: um had you ever heard of the tulsa race riots before the show came in
1: i'm sure mr myers told me about it when i was in 11th grade u.s history but
0: yeah i didn't no. know i didn't know anything about it i uh faux pause to talk about podcasts and podcasts but i listened to a podcast about the tulsa race riots after this because i was like was that shit real like there's no way that was real And this podcast was like yep that's a real racism existed and i'm like whoa yeah that's right i forgot about racism <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but yeah that, yeah, that shit uh, blew my mind
1: i mean uh, there were a ton of race riots in york as well in mm. the 50s and 60s there was a not exactly a glorious place to live and i'm sure that in some ways probably mirrored what was going on i thought that was a really strong way to open the series
0: yeah it definitely it gave um, you questions. It was action packed, super well choreographed. That was a great way to start it.
1: The the one thing that I kind of like was like, what the hell is that? This whole time, this who we later find out this little boy who we later find out is Will is just the calmest, chillest kid as everything around him is just going to hell. Mm-hmm. Not he's not scared. He's not anything. He just looks around and is like, well, I guess this is my home now. <laughs>
0: I mean, I can kind of relate to that. Like, anyone who's experiencing trauma, I I shouldn't say anyone. We all have our trauma in our lives. And while it's terrible in the moment, there are definitely moments where you, like, don't necessarily realize what's going on is abnormal. You kind of just accept it as the day-to-day kind of thing. So, I feel like he was kind of used to racism and it was escalating. So, he was like, well, this is just the next logical escalate." escalation. Wow, that's a hard word to say sometimes. But I, I feel like I could kind of relate to that as far as like, oh somebody turned on the TV for me and they're playing music. I'm in my zone. I don't really care what's happening. I've learned to, like, disassociate from it. So I kind of think that's why, is because he just, like, was aware of what was going on and he was just trying to escape from it, even as he was literally escaping from it.
1: I can see that. So, uh, another throwback that they have in here is... Uh, every time that the police are dismissed, I guess it's only in the first episode, with uh, the police chief, mm-hmm. he says a phrase in Latin that is that translates to who guards the guards themselves, which oh, is shit. who watches the Watchmen, right? Mm-hmm. That's where that phrase came from. And one of the interesting parts and big, big story plot lines of Watchmen is the Keen Act, right? Mm-hmm. Like this act that made vigilantes illegal except for, you know, the comedian and I don't remember who else, there's like a handful that are, and Dr. Manhattan, there's like a handful that are basically can do whatever they want under, as long, under the guise of the government. Um, so the Keen Act made vigilantism and wearing masks illegal in this new show, you know, fast forward 30, 35 years later, and now all the police are wearing masks, which I thought was very interesting because the entire point of the keen act was that you should know like who is arresting you and like it should be a thing that everybody knows about
0: it's like anything I else in that life that- it's like a political uh sp- uh not speculum that's a that's a different thing uh uh <laughs> pendulum yes, it is political <laughs> <speculum>. it's also <laughs> Uh, No, uh, a political pendulum, like when you go extreme one direction, you end up going extreme in the other direction and kind of level yourself out. So I think that actually is a great way to like over the course of 30 years, you're over on the other end of that, that pendulum that everyone's wearing masks
1: and yeah and it's literally all law enforcement in this world wears either yellow masks or a giant panda hat or they look like a russian like weird slob guy
2: who (laughs) never
1: gets dressed like i don't understand red's character and why he looks like such a bum i really think it's cool how all the police in this universe can just kind of wear whatever they want and it's not even like it's a costume it's just this is who they are and of course like you have some that are like Angela's where it is a legit costume, but most of them are just like, yeah, I'm like red. Like I'm going to wear a red tracksuit and a mask and a red <laughs> like ski mask. And that's going to be it.
0: Yeah. Uh, red Menace, he was he was like the modern day version of the comedian. Like he was just like volatile and over the top but
1: oh that's a great take i didn't think about that at all
0: yeah he he was like out there busting people's heads and shit because he could and everyone was like hey you should probably chill and he's like fuck you i'm not going to chill and he just goes and he busts people's heads (laughs) and like the nixon monument and shit what the fuck was up with panda like they made it seem like he was gonna be this big thing and it was just a fat guy with a panda head on his head
1: yeah he was like the stenographer right like he was Mm -hmm. the guy taking notes I think that of all the cops on the force, he was probably the most level headed. Like, I think he's the only one who's like, I don't think this is such a good idea. Like maybe we don't want to push this envelope right now. And everyone else is like, nah, screw it. Full bore. Mm I don't, I don't know. He's, he's not in that many episodes or scenes, but he's always what in the scenes that he is. in, he's like the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that he's not in more because he is always that like the, in the, in those scenes that he's in with like, you know, the police all gathered around, he is that voice. who's like, ah, maybe we want to think about this before we just like kill a bunch of people or get all of ourselves killed. I don't know. I, I thought uh, as far as costumes go, probably looking glass or, uh, sister night are my favorite
0: looking glass had a pretty cool mask it was like the opposite of rorschach's out,
1: you, you come to find out that it's because he's absolutely batshit crazy
0: yeah <laughs> yeah his backstory was crazy too like since he was like there during the explosion and the hall of mirrors saved him that was wild
1: that scene made me actually kind of think of like the dallastown carnival
0: yeah
2: <laughs>
1: like i could me too <laughs> <laughs> Because you you grew up like right down the street from me, like literally like right there. The idea of like walking to the carnival every, every day when it was there in I think it was like August, mm-hmm. I can totally see this as being a thing that like some poor kid gets tricked into taking his clothes off inside the mirror house and is stuck inside there in like backwoods, Pennsylvania. It's not backwoods, Pennsylvania. It's Dallas town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in the middle of like, you know, this tiny carnival, I felt so bad for him.
0: Oh my God! Uh, yeah. As a
1: character, and then to like walk out and just see all of New York destroyed yeah. must have just been like—I mean, I I totally understand his trauma. I get it, but I thought that it was interesting that even once he knew the truth, the episode where the seventh K, like I think it's that that fifth episode, he goes out and still he gets that repair kit for his alarm system and he brings it home, throws it in the trash. And then before he goes inside, he goes back to the trash, grabs the alarm and brings it back in, even though he knows that it's all bullshit now.
0: Mm-hmm. He's like still buying He's into still the fiction. still crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's hard to rationalize with an irrational person. Like you can present someone with all the facts in the world and they're still going to be just like, well, I'm still pretty sure that the government's run by lizard people and um, <laughs> there's just nothing you can do. They've like made up their mind.
1: Bro, what you know about Flat Earth?
0: <laughs> just kidding. You no, see, gotcha. a dome. no. It's about
1: 2 miles above.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my god. I've been down some rabbit holes. Come on. Um Did you,
0: did you watch the Flat Earth I, documentary on Netflix? No,
1: I oh my I god. have brain cells.
0: <laughs> uh, no, well, it's like it's it's just like a really fine observation of confirmation bias. Like they literally are like, "Okay, Flat Earthers, here's a whole bunch of money. Let's prove it." And they just like come every time they fail, they come up with an excuse why they're right. And they're like, we're supporting. But if you can prove this, go ahead. And they just like drop the ball. But you cannot convince them they're wrong. You just can't. It's just not something you can do. So I feel like that's kind of relates to uh, Looking Glass's character, because even though he knows all the facts point to this is bullshit, he's like totally, totally invested
1: Yeah. And I mean, not just that he knows that like that it's bullshit, but that he has the bunker in the back stocked with food. This man has previously gone through every precaution that he can possibly go through to be ready for squids to come falling out of the sky, (laughs) including all of his hats are lined with that like protective foil. Yeah. And he never is anywhere without a hat on like in the entire show.
0: Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, um, I don't. The only time that I think he took it off was to show us that there was foil under it, right? Like the whole series, he has it on. Yep,
1: <laughs> and that's only a very short period of time. I think it's when he's in the bar, mm-hmm. when he's in the bar with the woman who's from the seventh K. Yeah, I might as well just like tell the whole series story. Like at this point, we've just—I
0: <laughs> mean, we pretty much have.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's this show is absolutely incredible. Um, I for real, I have notes. That's at least like I have a little stenographer pad here. Yeah. and like every episode is has something on it that's at least a full page um
0: see i wanted to rewatch uh, the there's... series again for this but i i could not muster the time to do it so i literally like took a tiny little uh notepad I wrote movie and then I just wrote down the first thing I wrote was large waggling peepees it's the first thing I wrote for notes (laughs) and then after that I just kind of like wrote what I remembered about the movie and then I did the the animated comic and the show I'm about out of notes at this point
1: (laughs) yeah I uh I've got a bunch but I mean I I don't know what more to really say or how I can recommend this show more um top to bottom it's a really fantastic uh the the script was great all the cinematography is great i don't think there's a single week episode
0: no um mm-hmm.
1: and if you're one of those people who saw the movie 10 years ago um are not into graphic novels which is like hey that's fine everybody you know has their own art forms and whatever that they're into but you're into television um you can totally jump into this series without having seen any other Watchmen stuff. And I think you'll still be okay.
0: It definitely rewards fans, but you like everyone, regardless if you're a fan or not, it's confusing as fuck at the beginning. Like you're not going to understand everything that happens to like episode three or four is when it starts to come together. So like, mm-hmm. don't let that discourage you. This is the best show I watched in general in a year. Cause I watched that, uh, his dark material show. I watched Ozark. I watched a whole bunch of shows last year and this show blew all of them away. I, this is the okay. best show of 19. So, um,
1: I'll, I'll agree that it's the best one that I've watched so far this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's so good. Um,
1: I don't get, like I said, I don't get to really watch a ton of TV these days. I like made this a priority cause I really wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would recommend this, no problem. I'm really hoping that there's a season two where we can explore some other. I know there's not going to be. No. I know. But, you know, like to be able to explore this universe a little more would be really cool.
0: I agree. And I I wish they would. But the person who wrote and directed it and all that, he said that like they dumped all of their ideas into it. Like they don't have any more ideas. They thought about it really hard. I, uh, I went to New York Comic Con last year, actually. And uh, the, all the promotional shit, they hand, they just dump papers and necklaces and shit on you the whole time you're there. And I got a magazine that's like their annual magazine. And there's like a four page article in it about the show coming out, which came out like right after I got back. And the whole thing is just talking about how much effort the HBO went through to secure the guy who made it, who is uh, the guy who did Lost and the Leftovers. Warner Brothers broached the topic of Watchmen TV show With Lindelof L-I-N-D-E-L-O-F Lindelof Anyway They like They offered this show to him three times And they wouldn't do it with anybody else Because Damon Lindelof Was the guy They were like You're the guy to do this And he's like "Mm, I don't really want to do it And they approached him in 2009 right after the Watchmen movie came out and they're like, you should make a show. And he's like, "Mm, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then they approached him again and he said, "Mm, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then this most recent time was when he was like, okay, so I've been thinking about this this whole time since you offered it to me, I guess we'll do this. But he has zero intention of making another season and he made a brilliant fucking piece of television. So
1: I agree. And do you know what? As much as I wish there would be a second season, I think that a lot of television shows, especially American-made television shows, can take a note from this, um, because, like, in, in the, on BBC shows, they will tell them at that time, like, listen, you have two seasons, so whatever story you want to tell, you have X, you know, two seasons could be 10 episodes, or two seasons could be, like, 30 episodes, you know, but mm-hmm. you have this much, and they tell them up front, like, here's what you have here in the u.s that things get like well we'll do a season and then see if it gets picked up oh it got picked up for a second season but then halfway through they find out they get picked up for a third and then towards the end of the third season they find out they got picked up for a fourth so they don't really know how much of a story they have to tell right so that's what i love about shows like breaking bad or uh or even this like Watchmen, is that he has one one story that he wants to tell it's over it's done he doesn't have to worry about now beating that in season two, which is where I feel like a lot of other shows fail. Is like there's this big climactic moment in season one. And now suddenly you have to top that in season two for people to keep watching, right? Like if you defeat the demon in Buffy in season one, well then you have to defeat Satan in season two because that's the next level up, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought that, uh, or I think that shows like this that like know exactly what they are, Um, and the length of time that they have to tell their story do it so much better than these ones that end up running for like six, seven, eight seasons sometimes, Game of Thrones, Um, (laughs) because they, they know where they want to end, right? Like, it's not like they're working towards an ethereal end goal. They know that they have 10 episodes to get through X amount of material and to pace it appropriately.
0: Less is more, as they say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I suppose so. Speaking of less is more, I was reminded of two more things I want to talk about, and then we'll decide if we're going to dump some discs. So first thing's a little thing that uh, I was bitching to my girlfriend. I was like, not that I want to look at large waggling dongs, which is a thing. I don't really care to look at them, but it doesn't offend me. Why did fucking Blockbuster edit this goddamn movie? Look at how often he's wearing a thong. I'm telling you he doesn't wear a thong this often. And then in the show when the bad guy's like, I'm going to become Dr. Manhattan. And he takes off all his clothing and he's wearing the thong. She was like, oh, my God, he's wearing the thong, too. (laughs) We were fucking dying. Oh, my God.
1: I actually did notice that because I was expecting him to get the senator. You mean? Yeah. Before he goes into like that machine, I was expecting him to get full nudie booty too, and that he doesn't, and he keeps on like that weird pair of underwear <laughs> cracked me up.
0: The, the huge man. I'm but... glad
1: I wasn't the only one to laugh at that, and I'm I'm. It makes me happy that you did too.
0: Yeah. He and he goes like, I don't need to wave my dick in your face. You guys, uh, you've been emasculated enough. Like this is fine. <laughs> And, uh, I guess the last thing I want to ask you is, do you think that sister Knight becomes Dr. Manhattan at the end because he passes her his power through the egg and she eats the egg and she goes to walk on water and it cuts right before she walks on water? Do you think it worked or no? Well, man, do
1: you think that, um, man, do you think that she is Dr. Manhattan? I don't know. Do you think that the, that they're dreaming in an inception? Um, yeah. (laughs) it's 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 kind of one of those questions that we'll never know i'm gonna say that i don't think that she is and i have no proof as to why i it's kind of like i i i haven't read fan theories on it i'm sure if i found a reddit page it can convince me otherwise but
0: so wait 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 okay so the ending you're imagining is she's like her husband's dead he's he was gone and she's like fuck i'm so sad wait i'm gonna eat this raw egg and now i'm gonna go walk on the pool everything hinges on this moment and she takes a step and she just falls face first into the deep end of her pool
1: <laughs> okay so first of all yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so i imagine that she probably just like lowers herself down slowly she doesn't walk on water and is like okay whatever i don't know it's a It's a hard question to answer because like, did she cook the egg? No, I don't, I don't know. Um,
0: (laughs) Doesn't she just like crack it open and like eat raw egg?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I just imagine that it would kind of ruin her character.
0: For sure. It would ruin the show if she was walking around being God at the end.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I don't know that Dr. Manhattan would do that because while he said that he could, maybe he would transfer like something to her uh, maybe like you know solidify their memories or like he ended because he ends up kind of being this romantic man right Mm -hmm. Um, which is like out of character for him but I don't know that he would necessarily give her something like the power of a god
0: yeah I think that he would see it as like like I was saying earlier I'm of the perspective that he was trying to preserve humanity so like passing on godliness to other humans I feel like that's not on brand for him
1: especially because she tends to have a temper yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't, th- I, I think that he definitely passed something. There was something there. We'll never know what it was. It's kind of up to you. Like, you know, that's the brilliant part of it. Just like cutting to black. Um, but I, I just think that it would be so out of character for him to give her ridiculous power. And especially considering that his whole like character transformation is whether or not life is worth it and what does it mean to be an all power like all powerful i omnip- i can never say this word omnipotent. omnipotent being i i just don't see him passing that on
0: hmm yeah i mean
1: i'm not sure what he might have because i definitely think that he does he does something to that egg
0: yeah <laughs> he d- and he didn't cook it hmm for some reason my brain just went hey it's easter he just said passover and we're talking about eggs <laughs> so I don't know why my brain was just like, uh, okay, podcast got to be over now, Miles. <laughs> so, sorry about um, that.
1: But yeah, but what what do you believe? What do you think happened? Uh,
0: I mean, uh, I'm I'm really bad at telling the ends of stories. Like every time I run a one-off in D&D, it basically ends with like and then it ends and you guys were victorious and there was infinite happiness. And I do like the infinity symbol in the air and they're like, but wait, can this have happened at the end? And I'm just like, yes, <laughs> whatever it is you want, it happens and you couldn't be happier about it. So, I mean, that's that's kind of how I feel about the end of the show is like, do you wish that the egg would have made her super powerful? Then of course that's what happened. He's not going to tell you it didn't, you know? So I think that's why they chose to end it where it was. It's like, make up your own ending. Does it make you happy? Then smile. So, (laughs) all right. So uh, we're at that point now where I have to decide as I hold the ultimate cut of the Watchmen in my hands with the whole bunch of discs version and the animated comic. Do I want to keep these, this movie and these comic discs or do I want to dump them? What do you think? Yash?
1: Okay. So if you had just the regular DVD, I would say, like, immediate dump. Get rid of yeah, it. The, burn it. Give the it a Blockbuster version
0: is out. <laughs> no more Blockbuster version.
1: <laughs> I think the collector's version is cool. I think the animated stuff is cool. And you should definitely check out some of, like, the bonus stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's a movie that you would constantly look at your shelf and go, yeah, no, not today. <laughs> not I'm today. I'm good on that. So... For that reason, and considering that the animated comic may or may not be available on YouTube, I'm going to say dump it.
0: I, I think I'm on the same page as you. I'm going to look at this and say, not today, Snyder. Not today. So many times. <laughs> that, But I think I will watch the special features just to like watch them. But after that, it's uh, we're going to say goodbye to the Watchmen. Thank you for doing this with me, Yashi. It's been too long, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, thanks for the invite. Um I'd be happy to do another one. Let me know what other cool stuff you got coming up and
0: Oh for sure. I'll
1: jump back on. This was fun.
0: Yeah, man, this is this is how I spend my free time now, is this and D and D. So uh yeah, I will I happily it. have you back on. Um so I want to say thank you to the band The Jazz June for the use of our theme song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. It is a wonderful song off a wonderful album that's gotten me through some hard times and you can get that wherever music is sold. You, I would also like to thank The Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity off of the album there, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's on YouTube. Uh, so when I talked to him he was like, you can have the song, sure. And I was like, alright, cool. So uh, thank you Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity. It's Bouncy ED music you can find it on YouTube I think that's what he wants you to do so thank you uh, you can write me at discdumppod at gmail.com that's d-i-s-c-d-u-m-p-p-o-d at gmail.com don't forget the little pee-pee in there it's important boy peepees really have been a theme of this episode <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Anyway, so um, find me on Twitter at the Disc Dump. I have said that wrong every fucking episode, and I realized it yesterday that it is at the Disc Dump, not just at Disc dump, At the disc dump. On Instagram, you can find me at Disc Dump Podcast. Once again, the PP. And on Facebook, there is the Facebook group. Uh, just stump podcast fans. Great place to see all the promo materials and all that good stuff. Do you have anything you want to promote? I forgot to ask you that. Do you want to like promote your weightlifting stuff or anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah. So I do, uh, online nutrition and training consultation. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok because I am <laughs> <laughs> one of those, uh, at, O my underscore Yash, that's O H M Y underscore Y O S H. I also, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, I work at Premier Spine and Sport. You can follow me there uh, on Instagram at Premier with an E on the end, underscore spine underscore sport, Um, or all one word Premier Recovery Lab, that's the other place I work um yeah you can follow me on all those different places we do like health and fitness stuff and recovery and nutrition and all that fun stuff to make sure that during this weird time you're staying healthy
0: don't forget to keep your master plan to yourself until it's executed
1: and move your body
0: and move your body